Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you PNLP? This is the Premier Non-League Podcast. Well, a very warm welcome to episode 61 of the Premier Non-League Podcast. We'll tackle this together. It's the three of us again. It's the troublesome threesome. It's myself, James, Chris and Trev tonight. How are we doing, chaps? Good, thank you. Yeah, good. good. Men of many words, I see. It's going to be an excellent podcast tonight, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, I'm very good, yeah. Um, good to hear from you guys, good to be back on. Um, eventful couple of weeks, as it always is, in the world of non-league. Um, I want to start, we, we, we kind of, um, we always bring up behaviour on this podcast. And I'm going to have a little bit of a rant about um, some behaviour, but Trev, Wildstone. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even you that brought it up in our group tonight when we were sort of saying topics. No, it was Chris. No, it, wasn't actually, it, it must have been that. It must have been that offensive that even Chris was uh, offended by it. So, just for those that don't know, haven't seen the video and stuff. What, what's happened, Trev? As the Barnet fan in the room, uh, we played them in the derby at the weekend at our place at the Hive. Um, they brought nine hundred and twenty-one. Uh, we battered them in the first half. I should have been three or four outside. They, all of my Wheelstone supporting mates that I know. Uh, admitted exactly the same as well. Not Willstone fans themselves did as well, but we didn't kill them off. They made a few tactical tweaks in the second half. We had another couple of chances still to win it. Mr. Penalty, um, they equalised in the 99th minute of 99 minutes added on. I don't know where he got nine from. Six would have been adequate, I think. But anyway, you still got to defend for your 99 minutes. Um, not surprisingly, they over-celebrated because... Not being funny, and no disrespect to any Wildstone fan that's listening, but we are your cup final um, because <laughs> of the furore over the hive and, and how we supposedly obtained that. Um, and uh, a few decided to make their way onto the pitch. Um, a couple of flares went off as well, of which they're trying to also blame it coming from the Barnet end, which is highly impossible, and I've seen the video from different angles and even managed to find one today, which proves it came from the Wheelstone end. Um, one of their guys also attacked a steward who was, who had pinned him to the ground. Um, and not just, you know, he was punching him. You can see that clearly in any of the videos as well. No one else stepped in to help. Um, Barnett fan actually went on from our side to, um, uh, grab his geezer off of the, uh, off of the steward. To allow the students to get up to uh, escort him off, but two ended up with two arrests and both have been been charged. So pointless for a lifetime ban from football, really. Um, yeah, it's um traditionally obviously I know we all know about the hive. Well, I know, and you know, I'm sure many people out there know the fans. The hive was originally going to be Wildstone's ground, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um. So. Over the years, and there's been a bit of differential between the grounds and the levels of play that they're at, but they're in the same league now. Um, has there always been a rivalry? As you say it's their cup final. Is that is that you just as a Barnet fan, or is it really that's the one they look forward to? Barnet fans don't really because no, you, you know yeah, you like no, a bit of a rivalry, like no. you know, it's like if, if we got Bogner again, you know, they they'll probably see it as our their cup final. But I'd quite like the Wheelstone game or the sort of Bogner game as a bit of a rivalry. No, I. Just before I started supporting Barnet, Enfield was the major rivalry. Then obviously they completely disappeared and re refounded back after. Um, my my early years were um, were all Stevenage, mm. and obviously the last few years has been a, a league or two gap between us. So more 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 realistically, it's been Boreham Wood. There's only really six miles between the between the two clubs in terms of geography. Wildstone are the closest, but. They've only been at the same level for us for the last three years out of the last 25, probably. Um, and there is a lot of needle over um, how we obtain the hive and 
I know more than more than a lot, and hopefully that will come out this summer that um, there was no underhand meaning to it, and um, there's even more to it. I'm not going to say too much now because is, we'll... is it a footballwriting.co.uk exclusive coming out in the summer? <laughs> well, it'd be more, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it would be more like a Barnet podcast, but um, it will put it to bed once yeah. and for all um, because there's there's plenty of uh, evidence anyway. But um, yeah, they. Uh, they have a real beef with us, um, really do. They've, they've trashed the hive twice. Um, apparently, they've caused damage this time. I haven't yet seen too much into exactly what that is, but um, yeah, just the behaviour of their fans. I mean, the you know the daft thing was on Friday. I think it was they'd signed some young centre half on loan from QPR, so they put a tweet out going to QPR fans: if you're not travelling to Blackburn. Why don't you come and watch such and such instead? Whether a few of them attach themselves to the club for the day, I don't know. But to be honest, I don't really care because you're in the Willstone end. You're not in the Barnet end where you've gone and done it. You're in the Willstone end. Unfortunately, you put a tweet out like that, you attract whatever you want. So if you say they've sort of damped now, now coming from a complete neutral point of view, obviously I've got more more softness towards Barnet for you being my pal and everything like that and being to the game there. But obviously if it was... I can understand in some ways the hatred of Barnet if, you know, you say it's not underhand, but, you know, even if it's not underhand, they've still, Barnet have taken what was due to be Wheelstone's ground. So there's always going to be, no, you're shaking your head, Trev, but from that outside, this is what I see from that outside, is you obviously know more about it, or from what's publicised at the moment, you know, people follow people, you know, you get youngsters that want to sort of try and act the hard one and find a reason to do it. But just putting that aside for a second, how can you stop it? If they're trashing the ground every time they get there, where are Barnet within their rights? Can they ban them? Can they apply to the league to ban away fans? Do they price them out? Do they charge 50 quid for away fans? And unfortunately, the nice fans are going to lose out because of the behaviour of the other ones. Well, this has been a bit of a, a, bit of a point of contention on, on our um, support association chat yesterday about how you control it, how you do it differently. They asked last year because... Uh, not last year, the year before they caused 40 grand's worth of damage to the away end. They wrecked the toilets, they wrecked the bar, they just did a complete number on it. Um, and did Willstone do anything for that, my apologies? Did Willstone pay or contribute to only that or not? I doubt it. We complained okay. to the National League, we did the same last year. The damage wasn't so bad last year. Um, we, mm-hmm. we kicked off early on a Saturday, and I can't remember, I think it was on, I think it was on BT. So, um, they didn't have a lot of chance to, to to go drinking, but the support association asked this year, don't open the bar. Um, Tony sees pound notes. Yeah, I know. Those pound notes are now going to pay for his damage, same as he did two years ago. Unfortunately, there are points where he doesn't learn, he doesn't listen, and you know, just don't even you know, don't just don't sell him alcohol. Don't sell him alcohol. Um, you know, there's a there's been a lot of talk saying. Have, did, did we police it correctly? Has he has he underdone it because he didn't want to play pay a bigger police bill? We know what they're going to be like. We had seventeen hundred South End fans here four weeks ago, passed off without any trouble. Yet knowing the magnitude of this fixture because of the bitterness between them to us, why we're we not doing a bit more to look after the stadium rather than our own fans. I don't. I don't believe there was there was any there was any trouble. There's a few gobbling off afterwards outside, but there was there was police all the way up the side of the um, hive up to the entrance as well. So I don't think there's ever going to be too much going on there. But sometimes it's just about being a bit more common sensey rather than mm. just seeing the pound notes in front of your eyes. So I don't know. People have said you make it all ticket for Wildstone fans, but because of the proximity and postcodes, are they then going to buy in the away end? I said. You know, you don't accept any new accounts that open on your own club's fan base. If you haven't got an account in this time, you know, we've been at the Hive since mm. 2000 and, Christ, I want to say about 2008, I'm sure we've been somewhere around there. So, you know, if you haven't got an account and bought a ticket in that point, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't need a, um, you shouldn't need a, to, to create an account. So, you know, you do it that way. Do you ask for there to be no away fans completely again are you going to get an infiltration in the home end i don't know i'm not sure what the answer is pop must get yeah. a promotion 
anyway, wait, wait, leave them in the dirt tracks. Um, well, as we're on the subject of Barnet, um, well, I'm just gonna say actually, you know, before we move on, the um, obviously the the you saw the steward getting attacked in the video. If you haven't watched it, it's all on Twitter, social media, YouTube. But it also goes say, was it the Wolves game? I know it's just obviously not non-league, and the referee was chased around the pitch, and they had to no, go off the pitch. Well, that was Port Vale, but there was obviously a lot of trouble at the Wolves game, wasn't yeah. there? That was big, like, yeah. stopped for 40 minutes. The Port Vale game, yeah, where the referee was changed. Now, are we going through a phase again where there's all this hepped-up anger after Christmas? And What's going on? Uh, well, it's just a, it's a sign of the times, isn't it? You know, we could go on to a different form of podcast away from sport and talk about politics and talk about broken mm. Britain. But unfortunately, because of it, you know, police costs are up. Policing isn't what it was, and people who want to be antisocial know they're going to have more opportunity to get away with it because of the way the country is. So I think it's just a, a whole kind of collection of things coming together. You're going to see more antisocial behaviour. Unfortunately, the more you see, it's going to infiltrate into the football ground. So mm. um, sadly, I think it is what it is. Yeah. That's not going to be one, but yeah, going on Trev Barnett, um, a bit of a, a bit of an iffy couple of weeks, hasn't it been? Uh, you could have obviously a late equaliser against Willstone, but you lost to Oldham, lost to Gateshead, obviously big, big away again, long away days, and you know whether the travels affected the team. What are your thoughts? Um, we should have won all three games. I'm not joking. The chances we really? created, not just this Saturday. Um, people up at Gateshead, we should have been two 0 up before we scored. Um, Oldham away again. We should have had two or three before they put the ball in the back of the net. We're 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 not clinical enough, um, and it's mm. been the case all season. I've said it quite a few times that we we you know we should be thumping teams um, along the Chesterfield lines. I think when I spoke to Dean yesterday, which would have been Sunday as we were recording Monday, um, he said our expected points total um, we should be five points behind Chesterfield, and we're. Mm more than, well, what we three points behind Bromley, so we're about 22 points behind Chesterfield, and they've got two games in hand. That shows how much, how many chances we've missed in games. Mm. It mm. should put us that, that close to it. So, But I think the most frustrating thing is Bromley are in their worst run of form they've had since the opening two games of the season when we beat them in one of those two games, and we just can't take advantage of it. We should be sitting above them in second, with a game in hand, granted that's Chesterfield at home, which isn't until the end of this month. But um yeah, I'm not quite sure what the answer is because there were there were three players, three players on Saturday, maybe four, that should have found the back of the net throughout that game at, at least. Now looking at the top of the table, he's about you say Chesterfield, that they're, they're short, that's it now. Game set and match, would you say? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, oh yeah, weeks, weeks uh, ago. Uh, yeah. Weeks ago. When, when can they actually win they're, the league? They need eight wins. Eight wins. So possibly, but, but I mean, but then again, if if Bromley trundle out another another three losses this month, then potentially they could be champions by the end of next month, depending on how we do <laughs> yeah. in that time as well. Imagine that. Crazy. Crazy. Chris, you were going to say something there. Sorry, mate. Yeah, just talk about, you know, missed chances and um, goalkeepers and defenders get blamed a lot for mistakes at the back. You know, because they they generally lead the goals, but how many mistakes the forwards make? You know, they get away with so much because you hear the cliche is, oh well, at least he's in the right place, or mm. at least we're creating chances. But at the end of the day, the forwards are paid to score goal and put chances away. And if they're not, then they're just getting away with it. Not good enough. Yeah. Not good enough. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned because we're creating chances. I'd be more worried if we were going through games and we were nicking a goal here and there, and then we're yeah. having to live off the back of that goal. But we're creating so many, so many opportunities that you know, at some point, you know, we are going to hit a side for three or four before half time. But mm. you want to, but that, and then that point then becomes that's the level we we should be hitting, but we're not hitting it consistently enough. Now, whether that's because the players need to be another level, another level higher still, which is why Chesterfield are running away with, um, you know, with games. I mean, the opposite. Another another stat Dean gave me as well was how many games that Chesterfield have won in the last 10, 15 minutes. I mean, they scored yeah. two at Eastley on on uh, Saturday, um, and how many late late minute goals we've last minute goals 
Donaldson goals that we've conceded, again, it makes that difference with those people not putting the ball in the back of the net. But it's not just strikers. One of our centre-halves should have scored twice with, with headers at the weekend. Yeah. Um, our front man should have had another two. Um, Kabamba was out. Perfect opportunity for, for, for Steady to get in there. Pritch missed a penalty. You know, you've got three players. Jordan Maguire-Drew should have had two. There you've got four players that sh- that that should have hit the target as well. So it's not yeah. just down to the forwards in our in our camp. We've got, got goal scores <laughs> all over the park when it's they a, do it's an, the net. it's an epidemic in the in the Yeah, sport. it is. It is. But again, <laughs> you know, we, we, I, thought, I think we're somewhere like second or third top scores in the division as well. Um, you know, so we do we do find the we, we do find the net, but we probably should be threes and fours every game and that wins your titles, mm-hmm. that secures your second and third place. But, you know, we, we we need, I think it's seven or eight more wins from the last 17 or 18 games. Simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think most of the games we've got now are against the bottom 10 or 11. We haven't got many side teams left to play in the top seven again. So games you should win? Theoretically, yes. Theoretically, yes. But, you know, it's football, isn't it? Well, looking yeah. at the, looking at the table at the bottom, I'm I'm quite surprised. I mean, I'm not really surprised with Oxford, obviously being still part time, what hybrid or whatever they are down there. And um, well, they won the playoffs for the National League South last year, obviously beating us in the semi final at Worthing. Um, Ebbsfleet, I'm surprised about so far down there because I really thought they would have been making a chance. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You look as we've said many times this season from. Pretty much up to 10th, there's only eight, nine points between them. So, you know, this could change massively in the next. Um, Oxford, I think they're pretty, they're the most far adrift, um, unless they have a turn of form. But are you guys surprised to see? I'm surprised seeing um, Woking down there, especially because obviously they, was it last season they got to the playoffs or was it mm-hmm. the semis they got to? Or no, was it the final? Year, yeah. Yes, the semis they got to. Yeah. And th- what, what a sort of turn of events there over at Paul's Kingfield. A- Pull some recruitment, simple as. Yeah. yeah. Bought too many players, paid good money for them, also put them on good wages, very injury prone. Could hasn't picked Darren Sile hardly picked his best eleven uh, the entire time he was there. Um Michael Dawes got massive great. He's bought in quite a few players, shipped a few out, but I think they got some, you know, the the only thing is is that there's still nearly three months of the season to go. They've all got time to turn it around. As I said to a working fan the, um, yesterday, you know, they've got enough time to turn it around, but they've got to start Tuesday night. Mm. Every game that ticks by is another mm. one off the list. It's another three mm. points gone. And, you know, if you'd have said four weeks ago, Kiddy were probably dead and buried with Oxford City. Phil Brown's come in and they've won four on the bounce. And all of a sudden, everyone's going, shit, <laughs> if they're mm-hmm. picking up points, we need to file file one four of the last six. It's come from nowhere. Um, you know, there's going to be. Uh, when I was listening to, I think um, the Kent non-league podcast last week, they were saying with the National League South, someone's going to get dragged into that bottom four, and one of those bottom four is going to get out. And you can see that in the National League as well. You've got your Boreham Woods, your Dawkins, your Yorks, and probably still your your Dagenhams as well that could get dragged into it. it, only takes a win for someone Tuesday night and Saturday, and all of a sudden, more clubs are looking over their shoulder instead. And you've got to think, still so bad still, I mean, I'm so happy Southend got saved, but you look, they haven't had their 10-point deduction, yeah, they would be kissing the yeah. playoffs. And instead, four points oh. off the bottom. Yeah, uh, as you say, that's football. But it, it will make for an interesting run. I mean, part of me would love to, See Worthing playing Woking, but hopefully in the National League because uh, that was the first non-league club I used to go and watch when I was younger when I was living in that sort of area and did some college documentary, which was uh, quite fun. I have to dig that out one day, Trevor. You probably find it quite funny. Back yeah. in the day when they uh, when they got to the FA Trophy final at Upton Park and we had press passes there, that was quite good. Um, was meant to... Yes, mate, remind me. <laughs> but I also was 16, 17 at the time. So if I was this bald then, I might have had problems. Um <laughs> But yeah, we're going. Uh, we're going into uh, the the national league there. Um, just pausing on leagues and roundups. I think we need to get hats off to Maidstone because <laughs> Maidstone United are doing non-league, non-league proud at the moment, aren't they? With their uh, FA Cup heroics against Ipswich. I mean, bloody hell, Ipswich riding high in the championship. You know, right up at the top of the table. And you, I, I can't remember how many places it was at the time, but you look how often they were 
refer to as how many places are part in a league system. And it's obviously three three leagues, 98, but four leagues, but was. how many places are something like that. Um yeah. there Ips, Ipswich are right at the top, Ed Sheeran's lot as they all called. And um Ipswich, you know, sorry, Maidstone just did what they do in FA Cups and what we, we love to see. Guys, how how did you react? Were you as happy as a fan falling off the terrace? Yeah, delighted. I was, we were watching it in the marquee at Shields, and uh, it was fantastic. It was a throwback to the old the old days, you know, when you you got more cup upsets because of the pitches being bad and things like that, you know. Um, and the, to a man, they were fantastic. They defended for their lives, took their chances. The the two chances they had, they took. Um, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I keep mentioning it, but yeah, I was great to see. When they started their campaign in September at Stenning on one four one, and then yeah. uh, obviously to sit there and watch watch them, you know, it you know Ipswich even 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 with their whatever it was 10, 10 changes or whatever should easily have had enough to have knocked out a club that far down you know below them. But the two finishes for their two goals were oh. just you know just graced the TV screens, didn't they? I mean the first yeah. one was just so mm. so cool and calm, and then. The composure from Sam Corn for the winner as well. Um, I mean, when Ipswich scored, I feared for him. I thought, now it's going to be a case of how many Ipswich we're going to get. But no, fair play to them. They've done really, really well. Yeah, and they've got a good chance for an upset in the next round because, okay, they haven't got their dream tie. I know Maidstone United would have loved the United, a City, Chelsea and Arsenal, whatever. But they're going to have Sheffield Wednesday or Coventry. And to me... I saw to all their bloody go out, but you know that is another yeah. opportunity. That's even more of an opportunity than playing Ipswich, so they should be taken and playing the way they played. They they could be. Is that the quarterfinals after that, or is that? Yeah, yeah. this is round yeah, five. Yeah. I think yeah, that would be the yeah, quarterfinals. The FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, just think how much that will do for the club, like Maidstone finances wise, and they were yeah. like struggling a couple of years ago finances. It's 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 um it's a it's game changing, isn't it? Game changing. It is amazing, and um, you know, we we really hope. And they're on TV. Is it the Friday night, Trev? They're on TV. No, uh, Monday. Got the Friday going. Monday. They've got Monday. Night. Monday. Yeah, because yeah, they've they right. postponement, haven't they? Mm. Yeah, but I still can't believe that Worthing beat them. Absolutely tanked them at home, and they're going to do that in the FA Cup. But you know, I guess they give it their all in the FA Cup. Um, but fair play. And in terms of cups, uh, we've got the FA Vars and the FA Trophy fifth round this weekend. Um. I'm going to be perfectly honest, I don't know too many teams in the FA Vars, I'm not uh, aware of many of them. Trevor, have you sort of looked at any of the uh, fixtures and any ones that stand out for you? Uh, yeah, two former winners still in, Wickham and Deal, um, in this in this round still. So I think, um, what did I read off of Philanette's little uh, round-up thing? I'm sure there's, there's quite a few ties where um, clubs can equal their... Everyone, every one of the eight ties this weekend involve at least one club for whom victory would mean a record run in the competition. So that's not bad at this stage of the competition as well, because you can sniff Wembley. Mm. Certainly yeah. can. And that's it. And that's uh, the experience that you have had, Chris, as uh, as a Shields fan mm-hmm. in the yeah. uh, in the cup. Um, and I, I was looking at the. Um, trophy fixtures and I think Hampton and Richmond versus Macclesfield is going to be a, it's going to be an interesting one especially after Macclesfield beating Dorking in the previous round was it the previous round or the one before that no previous, previous round wasn't yeah. it yeah. yeah Um. so shocks then obviously everyone's looking at Macclesfield being a full time team in step four of the national non-league system Um. they're the ones that are going to be out for shock in Hampton Richmond they have been doing very well at, in the National League South. They, they've sort of faltered a little bit recently, much to Worthing's uh, um, happiness, but um, they have uh, been faltering a little bit. But the, the trophy, great honour of them. As you say, Trev, they can taste it. Um, Welling versus Barnet. Um, obviously, Danny Bloor's no longer the manager at Welling. So, you know, are they looking hmm. for that? <laughs> that was a laugh and a half there. <laughs> There's something you know, or <laughs> just laughing. No, no, no! Just, just, just obviously the way Danny yeah. left uh, got got sacked on the way back from a win, and they'd not won in I don't know how long. Yeah, um, just a bit ironic, really. But 
he's a character that Danny Bloor anyway. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a character. He's great. Do you know what? I've said to quite a few people there, and I think when you read like all the comments on Sunday underneath um, the uh, thread when he got sacked and that, there wasn't one bad comment from a, from a Wellian fan, and they've had they've had a really tough year this year. They've the one only won about I think four games before last weekend. And now they've won suddenly won two in a row. Um, but just goes to show the kind of guy he is, really. And I mean, he's always been available to me for an interview. Drop him a text, bang yet, yeah, quite happy to yeah, find me some questions over and whatever. So, um, you know, they're the sorts of people that that are all around on league, accessible and everything. And um, uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot going on. I think off the pitch for them, which causes them a problem. But they've uh, mm. they're, they're three unbeaten now, so. Hopefully, the, you know, they could be that one side that the, uh, the Kent Non-League podcast was saying could escape from that bottom four and drop another one in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they, they really don't want to go down to the Ismian, do they? They really, really do not want to go down to the Ismian because that would be a massive fall from grace. I mean, I don't. they've never reached the Football League, but they have been as high no. as the National League, am I right, Yes, yep. Yeah, I don't think they've been yeah. out of the top two divisions for oh, really, really, really long time. We're talking a, a two or three decades, I think. Yeah, and you know, a couple of my friends go and watch uh, Charlton. Friends go and watch Welling because it's obviously not too far from Charlton. Charlton, we used to always have the pre-season for. We still always have the annual pre-season opener with uh, Welling as a history thing, which is really good to see. Um, so yeah, we do wish them well. I mean, obviously not expensive Worthing, but I think we've played. Uh, we, no, we have to play them again. Um, I know some of the Worthing fans that uh, yeah used to think Danny Bloor <laughs> was a bit of a uh, marmite character, and they would have quite liked uh, cynically to be the team that gets him to sack but whether they would have done that for Worthing and beating them but yeah, we've got to play the fixture yet. and if, if you know maybe it has been the right time to um, turn it around and get rid because if you say they're free unbeaten now as you say that's what the impact of sacking a manager has you don't want to be that team where sacks a manager and then ends up continuing and they're being sacked again and dragged into a relegation battle but then saying that, you look at Eastbourne, haven't quite had the bounce with Adam Murray coming in, have they? And get rid of Mark Beard. It's been been slow. So it doesn't always work. I think I, th- I think there's a lot of problems at Eastbourne. Or a bit so I think they've gone too quickly into um full time. I think that they weren't ready for the full time. Just the infrastructure the facilities are good, but I think it's just all been rushed. You know, they had to get a load of players and they haven't worked out. I mean, it did make me laugh that Callum Keeley, who obviously, you know, from Worthing, went to Haven't, went to Eastbourne, has gone back to Haven't for a fee as well. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you laugh. But that's the wild world of going um going full time and in the in the national league system. Uh you've got to get time it right, you've got to be completely sorted, or it can go very, very wrong very quickly. And I guess you could say it's the same up at Shields, Chris. You're saying you know on the last po- podcast you alluded to rumors that you heard possibly of um going back to a hybrid or part-time model to before it's too ready. And you know, after you've always said it, and you you, you I know you're a man of your word, and you've always said you felt Shields went too early going full time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, may, maybe some people are seeing that now. Yeah, and um, it was a uh, the chairman did a shareholders update online today um, with a little bit of a financial update, and the message was that there was going there's going to be some serious cost cutting measures in terms of the playing budget for next season to bring the club in line with the majority of the National League North. Because of course we still I think we're still the third highest wage pair in the National League North, so. Um, there'll be a lot of cost cutting so there'll be players leaving at the end of the season because obviously they'll want full time and if the club are going to either part time or hybrid model well they'll want to get rid of some of the full timers to make way for some of the local part timers so um, yeah it's a, I think I've said on not the previous podcast the one before be careful what you wish for you know stay part time as long as you possi- possibly can um, because in the long run it works better, in our view. But um, Shields are doing okay. Um, it's been a difficult little spell, but looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel. You've seen a few games, haven't you? <laughs> for a yeah, need yeah. some football. Four for since we last recorded, I think you hoped yeah. said you said you hoped for four, and I think you got four. Whether you got four you personally yourself, but you have had four Shields games, two and yeah. two. Am I right? Yeah, um, didn't get down to Hereford, but watched the live stream. Um, watched just, we beat Farsley Celtic. And we, uh, at home, we 
lost to Boston, a very impressive Boston United, I have to say, um, narrowly at home. But we've we've won um, we've, on the road. We've just taken four points from six. Um, tremendous performance at Hereford, going all the way down there on a Tuesday night to win three nil, was a marvelous achievement. And then on Saturday at, at Scarborough, a very much shorter journey, uh, but a difficult place to go. Scarborough are going well in the National League North, and uh, we've got a one-one draw. And really, on on the whole, I thought we were the better team and deserved three points. And we, we didn't miss, I'm not going to say we missed loads of chances because we didn't. We didn't create the clear-cut sitters that you know, you'd know you want to take, but we played some very good football, particularly in the second half, well-organised. And the catalyst for me is a young lad called Will Jenkins who we brought back from loan from uh, Morpeth Town Academy product. He's been, uh, he's been magnificent um, and a real catalyst for this improvement. He's his spatial awareness, his game awareness, his touch, his energy, everything, his vision um, has been exemplary and he's really been a, a breath of fresh air. And you can just see the the shoots coming through of the work that's been done on the training ground with the, the new management team. And it really augurs well because the football's exciting to watch. It's good. And it's 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 and we're we're back on the cusp of the not that we've been too far away from the playoffs, but we really are on the cusp of the playoffs again. With a run of games coming up that are very much winnable, we're, we're playing, I think, three of the bottom four in the next five or six games. So, um, yeah, it's good times, good times. Good times, that's what we like to hear. Um, is there, when you say, you know, possibly going back to for a part-time next season, is there any players that you would miss that are full-time that you think would really Shields would miss as well as a team? Yeah, one in particular, Paul Blackett. Um, we've kept him. We we were there were rumours going around, and one of the rumour, like the rumour was one of the sources of that was a a friend of my son's actually plays for Blythe Spartans, and um, the talk around the fraternity was that he was going to Harrogate Town in the EFL. Um. But he's still a Shields player, and their their transfer win transfer window is closed. So he's still a Shields player. He's top scorer in the National League North. Um, he is in a, a a vein of form that's not just about goals; it's about the the whole package. And he's he's found a yard of pace from somewhere, and I don't know where. Um, but he's been magical. He's been untouchable over the last four games. Just magnificent. But we will lose. I feel we will lose him in the summer if we go. Unless yeah. with it being hybrid, he's one of the players that we look to keep. I'd love to think so because he's, he's but he could go to the he could go to the EFL. There's no doubt about that. He is uh, he's different gravy, as they say. You you don't think he'll stay for a hybrid role or anything? Not if an EFL if club it was a hybrid part time. Yeah, no, of course if, not, he yeah go, of if he stays full time, if, look, if he stays full, if Shields can offer him a full time wage, and he's happy. Um, then great, but I, I can see there was talk about um, the the couldn't agree personal terms that he um, the offer from Harrogate wasn't comparable to the offer to what he's on at South Shields. So you don't know how much he's on, but um, Harrogate allegedly, allegedly, I have to say, couldn't match it or didn't want to match it. So. Um, We'll wait and see, but Black Paul Blackett has been absolutely magnificent. Um, just streets ahead. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. No, that's, it's good to hear because it seem, you seem a little bit more uh, full of full of beans after seeing the last <laughs> Probably To be fair, it's probably the, it's probably the lack of football. Yeah. Yeah, well, not just philosophical, because at the end of the day, I watch football to be entertained. And um, at the start of the season, we were being entertained. I was really bullish about the National League North and the the the, 
the uh, lift in quality that we'd seen. And then it just went a bit peak mm-hmm. tongue for a while. But um, over the last four yeah. or five weeks, over the last four or five weeks, we've seen some good football, some good opposition in the likes of Boston United, uh, Scarborough well organised. But we we are playing well, and the good, we've 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 been reminded that we've actually got good players in our squad that perhaps just need a little bit more direction and a little bit more nous. And um, in Elliot Dickman, our interim manager, they've got a terrific football man. Um, who has an eye for youth talent? Obviously, he was he was academy director at Sunderland for a lot of years. Under twenty one manager at Newcastle. He's got an eye for, for for youth. And our bench on Saturday was Aaron Martin and four academy players. That was our bench. So obviously because of injuries, mm-hmm. but uh, um, at least you know he's prepared to put those lads on the bench and bring them on if necessary. They've all there's four academy lads have made the the senior debuts in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at the table, um, we're looking at Tamworth at the top by 10 points a moment, but Scunthorpe with two games in hand below. Yeah. Do you fully expect that to almost be a two-horse race between Tamworth and Scunthorpe now? Because Scarborough are seven points adrift of Scunthorpe in second at the moment. I think it already is a two-horse race. Um, yeah. And Tamworth, who do you think will be the one over? Ooh. What, Tamworth? Yeah. Well, if you look at their defensive record, mm, um, nobody scores against them. Nobody scores goals against no. them, so no. what's to stop them? They're very well organised. You know, we it, it was a real battle for us to get that one goal we scored against them to get the three points back in September, October. Um, and they obviously they dealt with Scunthorpe on Tuesday night, uh, turned them over. Um, why not? Why not? My worry is if Scott, if Scunthorpe ended up in the playoffs and anything can happen in playoff football, as we well know, if they didn't go up, wow, mm. the money that they spent, mm. that could see them in real trouble again, which what part of me wants to because I would like to see Shields go in the playoffs and then go up. But part of me wants Scunthorpe to stay alive. So um, it's going to be an interesting run in. It's going to go to the wire, I think. Um but nobody scores goals against Tamworth. So if you if you are tight at the back, you've got every chance. Yeah. It's a very much a Sam Allardyce um, ethic and um, didn't do his clubs any harm. And Tamworth mm-hmm. are very much in with a good shout. Um, my heart says Tamworth. My head just says Scunthorpe. Just purely on the fact of, you know, they are in terms of budget and what they've got at their disposal, far better for, sorry, technically far better and greater than anybody else. But um, mm. we'll go the wire. Yeah. Yeah. And talking, talking about the wire, the, the other end, I think the table from about sort of, yeah. sort of, I mean, from about 13th down to sort of 22nd, all very, very close, possibly 21st. But I think Bishop Stortford have almost given up on the season now and I kind of almost don't blame them. I'm not that I'm saying they're necessarily going to just bow down, bend over. But, you know, they probably are hoping, you know, they end up getting relegated back to the Isthmian, maybe win the league and hopefully get voted into the um, South, uh, depending on the uh, relegation. Because, I mean, to, to be fair to them, I mean... Not massive fan of Bishop Storford. There's some of their behaviour that happened um, the season we won the league with late cancellations and stuff, and some of the behaviour of their fans. But you know, it is pretty shitty for them to have to oh, go all the way, terrible. pretty much. I mean, if, if at, they're literally going across. Yeah, and look at Hereford, Gloucester. These clubs, um, I mean, Gloucester are going to go down, in my view. I'd be shocked if they stayed up. Um, but you see, this Gloucester, Gloucester were full-time last season. They've struggled by reverting back to part-time. So when you, it's... Um, and clearly... So they worries they you put, a bit. Yeah, well, it does a little bit, but I think I, Shields did very well with the hybrid model the last time, so it can it, it does work. Um, I think the, there was a double-edged thing there with Gloucester. Not only did they go back part-time, but, but the budget was literally slashed. So they've they had to kind of regroup and recruit and what they've, again as Trev said before summer recruitment not good enough. Um, Tim Flowers tried it he, he he didn't last long, and they're struggling. So I think the if you look at the bottom of the table, 
it's any four from six, I think, personally. Because Spennymoor are in mm. free form. Um, Spennymoor have gone from top end of the playoffs. If you look at where they are now, I think they've won two in 18 or 19. So um, that's a run, isn't it? Right? Sorry, Trev? I said that's a run, that, isn't it? Two, two yeah. wins from 18. Right. Something, something, it's something like that. Um, we hammered them at their place back in October or November, whenever it was. Um, defensively naive. Uh, and their their main target, their main striker, I'm told, needs surgery on a leg injury. So if that's the case, they're really, really up against it, Spennymoor. Mm. Well, it's all going to come out, isn't it? You know, the next few weeks are very important. I mean, it, yeah. it, I kind of almost find this part of the season, sort of from after January, I find it almost quite exciting because before we know it, it'll be yeah. playoff time. It really will be. I mean, yeah, bearing in mind, this is the first week of February. Next time we record is going to be at the end of February, pretty much when this episode comes out, and then it will be sort of six weeks of the season left, even less. Yeah. You know, it's, it's coming full pelt. Hundred percent. Well, interesting. Um, I'm very happy. No surprise as a worthy fan right now. Second <laughs> in the league with four points. Um, four points clear of third. Um, we've just been playing really well. And to be honest, I want to I want to shout out Ollie Pierce, Oliver Pierce. Um, as I'm sure you heard, twenty six goals this season already 26 goals um there has been murmurs around the club and fans are saying the borders you don't ever know what's going on at the board level but they're saying they need to sign these players up on contracts now because ollie pierce is imperative for worthing joe felix has been imperative for worthing you know he signed from dulwich hamlet um, in the summer and when you've got a goal score it's going 26 goals and it's not even the end of, well, it's, it's just the beginning of february mm. How many is he going to have by the end of the season? You know, he, he's a... And, and to be fair to Ollie, knowing him on slightly on a personal level, he's he has been offered other clubs before. But as far as I'm aware, he's a teacher at a school. He enjoys what he does. And he enjoys playing football part-time. And he doesn't want to go full-time. He's had plenty of offers, which is also another reason why it worries me if Worthing would go full-time. But I don't think it'll be for a while because we will lose important yeah. players like that. But um, a massive win against Torquay. Um was it 5-1, Trevor? I think it was. 4-2, wasn't it? Yeah, 5-1. 4-2. 4-2. Yeah, it was 4-2. Yeah, yeah. Because they, yeah, they got one back and then we went and scored the other end. Yeah. Um, big 3-0 win against Averley at the weekend. Um, you know, cementing those positions. Ollie getting another two. Um, just after we recorded, okay, it was before the, it was before this podcast came out, but after we recorded, Trevor and I both were at the uh, game against Slough. And um, I had some very... Uh, <laughs> um, very harsh words for the liner, and and to be fair, as, as interesting evening, anyone, wasn't it? Yeah, as any of my people that know me through Worthing, and you know the fan, the fans that listen to this podcast for all of us, we're very fair to referees, aren't we? We also back them up a lot of the time, and we think the abuse that they get is completely uncalled for. But right, looking at the highlights, if anyone hasn't seen it, go and watch this um, Worthing versus Slough highlights on uh, on YouTube. And you can't really tell from there, but being there, yes, I think maybe in hindsight, the decisions were right, that they weren't goals or offside and that. But what got me, Trevor, and you can completely agree here, is why the linesman was not flagging straight away. He didn't even flag when the goal had been given. It was after a conversation with the referee. No flag was ever put up. No, no. It wasn't yeah. flagged. And he was, um, then the player was gone and sent off. Um... And then it was retracted because he was decided he was offside. Now, we spoke about this, Trevor, didn't we? Um, we spoke like, you know, is it allowed in the rules? Chris, I'd be interested to know your rules, uh, your views, because I've heard so many different things about this, especially talk around. The player gets shown a red card. It was offside. Can that be retracted if it yeah. if it was after? They've conflabbed and it was a decision. Mm. I know, Trevor, you said, yeah, it can. But then I've heard mm. other opinions that it can't because you've got the no. card out and then... no. No, 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 because it goes backwards. Because otherwise, you're then saying if you've given a goal, but it's actually offside, well, surely the goal should stand. No. Yeah. The game stops. So the game mm. ends. But what happens if that player had broken the P Ollie Pierce's ankle then? Do you know what I mean? That can't be retracted. That can't be taken yeah. back. How would that have been dealt with? Do you see what I mean? Yes. But also, this is where the offside law really needs to be changed because we've had two goalkeepers injured in the last four weeks. When games have been allowed to continue, goalkeepers have been injured and then the flag's gone up. So 
that can't be right. Someone's mm. going to get seriously hurt. Like you say, a broken leg or something. Um, crazy. Crazy. It, there was a lot of abuse. I, I must admit, I've been um, I've been abusing linesmen over the last two home shields games. It's fully just. It's not big. Or, it's not clever, but it's also justified. <laughs> it's um, one. I was under the influence of alcohol, and the other I wasn't. Um, and the one way I really let go was I, I was actually stone cold sober. Um, how these people can justify their role at such a high level of non-league football, I will never know. It's. I, I had a conversation. I know we've, 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 we've gone off the track. You know, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but I got told the other week what it costs South Shields to pay the referee and two linesmen when we played Boston United. And the amount of money was absolutely diabolical. Those individuals, those officials are basically getting money for old rope. Um, astonishing amounts of money for the level. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, we're, football clubs are actually paying for a service here and are not getting a service. Because there was that other offside thing, Trev, that you showed us last week. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this, the one that I really took uh, umbrage with was Paul Blackett. I think it was Paul Blackett. Um, was about, was a minimum of three yards onside, possibly four yards onside, and the ref and the linesman flagged. Now, the linesman flagged because he was 15 yards behind play. So not only can he not see a straight line, he, he can't possibly see a straight line because he can't keep up. And um, th these people are getting well paid. And these clubs are forking out astronomical amounts of money for the privilege of having crap officials. Um, now, I'm very much against the abuse of, of, of officials. I really am, and I'm not proud of what I did. But there comes a point where you just have to say, that that just isn't right. That just isn't right. Mm. That player was four, three, four yards on side. Um, mm. And then you've got them that don't even put the flag up at all. If they see an incident, they won't flag. They won't. It's That's what I don't get. That's what I don't get. Man, I'm getting wound up now. I'm getting a bit <laughs> blood pressure starting to. <laughs> yeah, but you've got you've got a flag in your hands. You you practice. I mean, that you see them waving their arms. I don't know when during a warm up and doing like the front crawl and back crawl of the warm up. Not got it on my shelf, but um, literally, um, they can't even wave a flag when it's offside. And that's, I think what pissed everyone off so much was because, okay, at the time that's three goals, well, a red card and two goals disallowed um, because of no flag. And that's what really, really annoyed people. If the, if the, if it, the flag would be like, he would have got a little bit of jest and abuse and stuff, just a oh, wanker or whatever, you know, as mm. he usually would. But I've not seen such vitriol towards an official at Woodside road for a long time because he, this guy got it wrong. Not since the Avery <laughs> game, James. Yes, okay. But I don't know what these guys see. What, 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 what do they see that hundreds of other people are seeing that they can't see? One of the problems is a lot of these officials, they're not very athletic, are they? They're not good runners. So if you're not a no. good runner at the pace of today's game, you're not going to keep up with play. And there is where your mistakes are being made. Now, I, um, if officials were voluntary, then we would have absolutely no call whatsoever. We'd have no right to have to give any kind of feedback, abusive or non-abusive, anything. But these people are getting well remunerated. The fees aren't great, but what they can con in mileage is astronomical. And mm. it's, it just beggars belief. Um, yeah. if, if, if you are playing at a level of football or any sport, which is classed as elite, then the official should be elite. And we are seeing at our level of football officials who aren't capable of being elite because they can't keep up with play and or their eyesight appears to be shite. So um, 
it, we're going to have this argument time after time because it's going to keep it's going to keep happening. Are we are we finding though that, like you said, Chris, with it's trying to be an elite competition. You've got a, a national league that's full of nearly full time clubs, and you've got four or five clubs in the south full time. You've got two or three clubs in the north, maybe a couple more that are full time. But we've got part time officials trying to officiate in a full time league, mm. so they haven't got the they haven't got the I wouldn't I wouldn't say the fitness because they've got to get to at least a certain level that they that they're deemed good enough to be at. But are we finding though that again the top level of the game has got match officials that are full time and have been for a few years and. They're at that level. I know they should be officiating, but VAR's doing it. But then mm-hmm. again, as we filter down again, we're getting, <clears throat> excuse me, and through no fault of the match officials, though, they haven't got the backing to be able to be a full time official, which should then improve their performance. And we should be cutting out some of this, some of this stuff. And yeah. again, you know, do you find it if, it, if it's a full time team like yourselves against a part time team as well? That referees possibly at the level of the part-time team, but not mm. the full-time team, and then we're getting that little suffrage yeah. in between. I I don't know. I mean, like you, I don't like criticising officials, and in the last couple of weeks, I've seen no. some I've seen some some very good ones at step step four yeah. and step three. Um, you know this. The, uh, you know, I was I was at the game with James, the you know the Worthing one, and you just you can't see what's gone through. The assistant referee's head to not put his flag up at any simple point. And I don't know if he's just had an absolute mind fart or whatever through that second mm. half. Just mm. just unbelievable. But then, like I said, I've gone and watched the game at step four and the three match officials, superb, absolutely brilliant. Refereed mm. the game well. The two two linesmen were both on the money. Why is it just such a disparity? But you know, we can probably go on to speak about the the Two step five guys we've seen examples of during the week at, at Farnham and, and Glee, but you know. But Trev, you say it. about Farnham, as I said earlier, about like, you know, if they'd broken Ollie Pierce's ankle, that tackle that was classed offside and a red card, that that could easily have happened at Farnham. But the best yeah. thing is, is the, the light, the lino was right there. You could see him in the video. He's literally meters away. Yeah, I think, I think, I think with the. With the Ollie Pierce one, that becomes a different situation if that happens. And again, it comes from yeah. this not putting the flag up when he's offside, waiting to see whether what play develops or whatever. Because but again, you've got people deciding rules that haven't played the flipping game and think yeah. and you know and think they know best. Same with all the time wasting crap they've added on. Stop it at the source. Don't have another ten minutes on at the end of the game mm. that people haven't got time to watch. And a, you know, mm-hmm. pissing off. Early. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is something. Well, it, it, it's not going to happen. But I don't know whether the PFA can step in at, at you know, um, and give footballers at any level, whether it's Premier League all the way down to our level, who are professional, um, to give them some kind of pathway. You know, I know. Players won't always make the best officials, but I reckon would have a better chance of being better than a lot of others because they've played the game. Um, and just have maybe maybe a kind of path you like to have in cricket. You know, there's a lot, in, if you look at county cricket, there's a lot of umpires who are ex-first class. They're ex-internationals. They've been fast-tracked and they're very good. So, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to be here again every every fortnight talking about this, I think. I, th- I think on that, Chris, they've missed the boat with it because players see what, you know, and these might not be the players that, that do abuse referees, but have actually got more outs of a brain and could probably go down that route to be a referee. But that's standing there on a pitch playing a game and they're watching the abuse other players are giving that referee and then thinking, why would I want to go and do that? If 10 yeah. years ago, 20 years ago, when it wasn't as quite so bad, you probably would have got it through the channels, but now players players have made too much money to want to go and bother doing something like that. Unfortunately, I think mm. say, I think the boat sailed. It's a shame. It's mm. it is a shame. But as Chris says, we we'll we'll discuss this week in week out for God knows how long. Because unfortunately, <laughs> on, 
Yeah, so um, for anybody who hasn't seen yeah. that incident, it's it's Farnham, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who Farnham played midweek, but yeah, Farnham midweek and um, Glebe away at who did they play? Irith Town. Was it Irith? Yeah, yeah. Irith Town. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. a look at those two. Have a look on YouTube and shake your head. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's um the, the thing is is it, this is the whole these are the conversations that were happening before VAR got introduced because not necessarily as bad a line of decisions, but you know you guys always remember the 2010 World Cup when. Stevie, was it Steve or Frank Lampard? Frank Lampard. Lampard. Clearly went over again, yeah. And it clearly went miles over and it was disallowed. Now, England would never have won that tournament because they were awful. But still, that's when, that's a pivotal point for me that I always remember that that's when talks really started coming to play, like something needs to be done here. And, you know, when it's, when it's the fine sort of margins of non-league, we look how much or how little money's in it. And that could be a position or two or a playoff place or two by the end of the season, it almost makes it even more important to make sure the referees are switched on, they're, that they're capable and they're doing their job properly. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all in jobs where if we don't do our job properly, we get performance managed and we could get performance managed out of the business. But these referees are constantly doing, not not constantly, they're often making decisions. But in any other job, if you make constant bad decisions like that, you'd be reprimanded. The ref, the lino at the lino at the Worthing game versus Slough, three decisions minimum he made bad that day that were important pivotal points of the game, and mm-hmm. could have had massive changing points. Not only if we if that game we would have been eight points behind Yeovil at the moment, not we're ten at the moment, but you know what I mean. It's like that's mm-hmm. that's mind over matter there. Um, why are they not being performance managed? They just don't. It doesn't happen. Yeah, and which is wrong at elite level. Didn't national league mm-hmm. and national league. Didn't they be classed as elite level during COVID? Only, only the top division. Only the yeah. top division. Yeah. But it, it's... Yeah. Anyway, moving swiftly on, lads. Eh? Let, let's cheer things up a bit. Eh? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Um, well, I'm not really going to cheer things on because I'm going to talk about a former Worthing opponent of a few years ago in this minute league. It was Harlow Town. Um, Harlow FC, who are, are now <laughs> in the county league. Um, this point was brought up an article shared by Trev and I'll just give a little I don't know if you read it Chris but I'll give a little background so I remember Harlow's when I first started getting into non-league I think Worthing beat them something like 8-0 at home one time it was the season that got relegated it was before COVID 2018-2019 maybe it was and they got relegated they played in the um, Isthmian or Central or whatever one was Southern League or something like that they went down but they were um yeah they went to Southern League they had to withdraw from the Southern League in uh, at the end of 2022 so midway through the season because of a failed pitch inspection so not only that they've had this is from their statement which is fully available on uh, Harlow's website um they've had fines they've obviously lost a lot of revenue They've um their reputation. Bearing in mind they were kicking around at the higher end of the Eastman League for a few years, and you know they 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 were all right team, um and they're not able to enter the FA Cup has cost them two steps relegation to the Eastern Counties League. Now this season they're doing all right, but they found out that they cannot be promoted this season because of withdrawal of the previous season. They've improved the pitch. They spent money to try and get the pitch up to a standard where they can go back up. Chaps. Did... <laughs> Why is there so many minefields? I can understand if they don't hit the right level, but they've got it up and they're now not allowed to go back up as a punishment. That yeah. doesn't seem fair. No, no no minefield, James. What it stops is clubs deciding can't complete mm. the season, can't afford to, will resign, mm. then starting back down at a lower level and immediately thinking, well, we'll just climb back up again because anybody can do that. Anybody can liquidate a yeah. club. We're, we're struggling with this, we're struggling with that. Wind it up, start again, two levels lower. It's designed not to punish, it's designed to protect the integrity of football and stop everyone else doing exactly the same. Because you imagine, imagine say, Worthy ran, ran into financial difficulties, the council locked them out of of of, uh, of Woodside Road, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't use the ground anymore, couldn't go and share anywhere else because there wasn't anywhere else to go up to standard. So the reform starting the county league. What's to stop everyone else doing exactly the same thing? And especially if you're struggling at that level and just decide, uh, you know, we, we just can't afford to do it. Let's let's just take a two-step demotion because it suits us. 
Everybody does that. All of a sudden, you've got a gap of 20 clubs at one level. They knew it when they started. This is what's slightly annoying, is that they would have been told when they started how it works. And it's been no different for any club, exactly the same. So they're not a special case. So, Trev, this is different. This is different from Phoenix clubs, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So these clubs have not folded. They have literally resigned from a competition to start again next year. Yeah. 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 Exactly that. Yeah. Completely different. So why they feel they should get special treatment, they don't. Yeah. Because that's going to happen. Their pitch inspection has failed. Yeah, but you know, from, from from what I saw, and actually, I was um, I was actually writing, doing a column for their program um, for about a month or two, and they folded a month after. Um, and um, uh, from what I can recall, and and I can be corrected if I was wrong, I don't believe that they attempted to go and ground share anywhere or try. And keep the club going. I just went, no, can't use our ground. We're going to have to resign and off we go. Quite within their rights to do if that's what, what they want to do. But you can't expect to just pick up the baton and carry mm. on again. It's like, you know, like mm. Dover of a few years ago when everybody moaned about them not completing the that COVID season and they got their 40 grand fined and everything. You know, slightly different scenario, but along the same kind of lines. You can't just pause and start whenever you want to as an integrity of a competition because otherwise, as I've said, the sheep follow and everyone else wants to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I can see clubs at the bottom of the division sitting on four points and less than less than double figures. What's to stop them saying, actually, lads, you know what? Don't want to finish this season off because we're getting, we're getting stuffed. It's costing us money. We're not getting anywhere, but we'll take us... We'll take a a two-step deduction and start next season at step six instead of four. You just can't do it. It's not not cricket. Yeah, I see it. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not cricket. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely not. But, you know, but there is nothing to stop anybody. Like, as as Chris rightly said, doesn't apply to Phoenix clubs because they are a brand new club and a brand new entity that are registered in 2024 or whenever they... Start. Yeah. That's will that will happen oh. to Mask, of course. They resign from the yep. Northern Premier League. So yep. um they will have to, you know, they'll be down um in the well, I would I would suggest was it a two-step demotion? Yeah. Yeah, so they'll be in, in the Northern League Division One, so they will have to suck it up for a for a twelve month. Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, there we go. There we go. It's um, it's interesting. I, I see your point of view, Trevor. I didn't think of it like that. So thanks for uh, putting that out there. It's um, interesting. I mean, I looked at it. So I'm, you know, that they're now I'm looking at it. Their statement's quite whiny and moany, um, compared to what you know I thought the facts were, and I thought they were getting a hard time. Not in my eyes. <laughs> Not in his eyes. Not in his eyes. Well, should we cheer it up? Is there anything? Is there anything to? Is there anything to cheer it up? Then um, you were saying. <laughs> Chris, because it's kind of somber. It was somber, yeah, like great. Harlow. You know, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we've had a moan, but you know, our our clubs are doing pretty well. The, the 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 overall standard of football, I believe, is pretty decent. Um, our I'm certainly enjoying my match days again. There was a spell, a couple of you know, if I look if I look back at Boxing Day, for instance, from what I'm seeing now to what I saw on Boxing Day, it's like chalk and cheese. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm bullish. Don't worry about that. Oh, fantastic. That's good. That's good. Any shout outs before we start wrapping this episode of uh, the PNLP up, guys? Uh, Farnham, big still shout- unbeaten, 21 wins yeah. out 21, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, big shout out to Farnham. If yeah, there is 21. anyone from Farnham listening, come on, come on the podcast, come on, come and have a chat. I haven't got round to uh, see if we've got anyone now. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to try and get there. My mate lives there. And he said to me, "You need to come and get there sometime." But um, you know, fair play to Farnham, doing very, very well. Um, yeah. Can they be? Can they beat the Arsenal Invincibles record? Wow. Can they do that? Yeah, I mean, obviously there'd be no comparison because I'd be like, oh. 
Mm-hmm. I think I think I think they've got a good chance. They're doing very well. Good on good on them. Good on them. It's good to see. Um, anything from you, Chris? Um, no? just a, a a a shout out to um to my mate Ronnie, who's um he's had a few health worries over recent weeks, but he's back. He's back up and running again. And we 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 recorded a Mariners podcast last week, and we're looking to do another one of our live shows coming up. So I'm just chuffed to see him back. Um. Mixing it again, it's great to have him back. Uh, so that was why you haven't recorded for a few months. So no, fair play to Ronnie. Ronnie, yeah. one 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 episode, Ronnie, as we call him on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, he, he listens in though. It, you know, um, but he, he, he's, okay. fi- he's fine with me doing it. You know, he's fine. No, of course, of course. Well, well, we would we would be lost without you, Chris. Now he had his opportunity. And he he <laughs> oh, passed dear. it. Yeah, he passed it. He passed <laughs> it. We got we got our, we got our shields around. No, good good on you, good on Ronnie, and good to hear from you, Ronnie. And um, hope hope everything's fine health wise. Trev, you were going to say something. I was going to say Crow Valley still unbeaten as well. 20, 22 games. In. Oh, are they? Yeah, still haven't lost a game yet. They've won won every single game away from home this season as well in the league. Phenomenal. Interesting. How about that? Eh? Interesting. So there's going to be two teams that we're going to look at. We're going to look at by the end of the season. Have they done it? Because I think Farnham have lost one cup game, haven't they? Lost a lot of ours game, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's see. Let's see how the end of the season goes. But guys, I think that's a time, good time to wrap up this uh, podcast. Um, let's hope by the end of the well, by two weeks' time, the next one comes out, we'll be uh, we'll be ready for another. Well, be as I said, it's towards the end of February at that time, and you're going to end up being sort of business end time, sort of six, Absolutely. seven weeks before the end of the season. It's going to be exciting. We've been doing well. Shield seems to be picking a picking themselves up a little bit, and Barnet are still at the top, and hopefully they can turn those couple of defeats around in the next few weeks. But um, myself, James, Trev, bye bye, bye, and <laughs> Chris, goodbye. <laughs> Bye bye for now, guys. It's just like the beginning, isn't it? It's just like like two two word two. I thought it was just called two word Pete. It's now two word Trevor and two of Chris. But anyway, stay tuned in on, on our socials at the PNLP. Thanks again uh, to tackle this together. Do check them out and share this podcast around. And we look forward to welcoming you back again in a couple of weeks' time. But from now, myself, James, Chris, Pete, wherever he is, Gaz, wherever he is, and Trev. It's been good to have you back and we'll see you in the next episode. Good night.